Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain. This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Welcome to Shrink Wrap. We are so happy to be here today. Favorite day of the week. It is our favorite day of the week. Yeah. Recording day. Yay. It's also Brody's favorite day. He's being very quiet right now. Gotta love it. I'm ripped, ready to go. He looks forward to seeing his ladies. (laughs) Sure do. We never drive him crazy. His old ladies. His old ladies. (laughs) He always has a walker on standby just in case. Oh my God. So we're going to talk about, should we say what we're going to talk about or do you want to do your fabulous factoid? No, you got to tell them. Okay, I got to tell them. We're going to talk about, we really threw this title around a lot Mm -hmm. and we settled on stinking thinking. Right. No more. No, no more. Hell no. No. Okay. So here is the factoid about this. According to Psychology Today, and by the way, Brody, you gave me so much shit about my pathetic source last time. <laughs> it isn't Stop Stinking Thinking Academy dot salt and pepper dot org. I'm just saying college students everywhere look up to you. So if you're using bad sources, then it's just going to rub off on the younger generations. Oh They're going to try and submit a paper and they'll be like, I don't know, Fran Sibyl. She, she talked about this source on her on her podcast. Oh, my God. And Dr. Fran. Dr. Yeah. Fran said this is a good source. Oh, my God. Right, can I give my factoid or no? Please. Okay, guys, please settle the floor's down. floor's queen. Okay, thank you. It's my queen. Thank you. Okay. So in psychology, negative bias means that we tend to remember, learn from, and pay attention to negative information more readily than positive, and we tend to have a stronger reaction behaviorally and biochemically to negative interactions than we do positive interactions, which makes sense. I it mean, does. when you think back like on your childhood and stuff, right? If your parents said positive things, you know, you hear them, they say one negative thing, Boom. right? And you never, never forget it, right? You really so don't. wait, I got to give you an example of this. Okay, you guys. I, how can you? Your mom <laughs> is Sunshine Sandra. Okay, Sunshine Sandra. And listeners, if you ever teach my mom how to get on a podcast, I am done with You're canceled. That's it. She's going to find you. Forget I, about I it. Will, I will drag you down. Cement, I will find your relatives. Boots, I tell you. Oh, my God. Okay. So I don't like attention, right? We know that. So my mom decides, I'm going to put you in a beauty contest. I'm 14. Shut the front door. I'm not kidding you. She put me in one and didn't ask my permission. Oh, jeez. Okay. So I go to the beauty contest. <laughs> Miss United Teenager. Okay. And... I, not kidding you guys, I didn't give one shit about it, but I did kind of have fun and I made friends. I won Miss Congeniality, which is shocking. I won Miss Photogenic and I won first runner up. Okay. So my best friend is there (laughs) and my other friend and my mom. So they come up to me. I have these giant trophies and my mom says first words, well, I guess you'll always be second best. (laughs) Shut yes. 
up. I swear to God. So when we talk about this subject, oh you have to think. I want the gracious. listeners to pause and think about what narrative did, did your parents put in your head? Right. And how much of your self-talk that's negative today is that narrative? That's a good point. I'm sitting over here just shocked, though. So listeners, for those of you who don't know what Fran looks like, she, as much as I tease her about being Methuselah, she is dropped in gorgeous. You are so sweet. No, not. No, and I'm not surprised you got Miss Congenia. I'm not surprised. And none of that surprises me, except you didn't win. Yeah. But I guess well, you're, you're so kind. You're just destined to be second place. <laughs> no, I know <laughs> it. Was it your eyebrows? Is it, that what did it? I know, because they, they're not long enough. No. They yeah. If only you knew how to do your eyebrows, we'd be it. just fine. I know it. Well, I'm a big Pink fan, um, as in the the singer songwriter artist. And if you've never been to a Pink concert, I ten out of ten recommend. Um, even people who aren't necessarily head over heels with her genre, mm-hmm. um, it's a good concert. Like oh, she puts yeah. on a show. And uh, one of the songs that she put out a few years ago is called "Effing Perfect." And there's a line in there that said, told me mm-hmm. that little Miss Pink has received cognitive behavioral therapy at some point mm-hmm. in her life. Mm-hmm. Change the voices in your head and make them like you instead. I love that. Boom. Yes. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. So we're going to talk about some of these filters. And like Fran said, some of them come from, you know, maybe something you were directly told. But also sometimes it can come from, you know, maybe your parents said to you, you know, we're really proud of you. Like you aced that test. You got a B. We're super proud of you. You know, study harder and maybe you can get an A. And they mean it in a very positive, encouraging way, but it goes through a filter and then you take it like, oh, okay, so a B isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. I have to always get A's. And that is not at all what they may be. Um, meant it. And so they convince you, these negative filters convince mm-hmm. you to believe negative things about yourself and um, and the world around you that aren't necessarily true. So so wait, are, are you ingrained with those filters just the way that you are? Or is it the way, even though your parents don't mean it that way, are they imprinting, are they imprinting you with that filter? Do you understand what I'm saying? They can. And in cognitive behavioral therapy, it's called a schema. Mm-hmm. And there's different forms of schemas. Um, I can't think of all of them. The two most common ones I see are I'm not worthy or I'm unlovable. And what they say um, in cognitive behavioral therapy is whenever you get super, super angry about something or super worked up about something, um, chances are one of those schemas was activated. You know, so if somebody comes up to me and says, um, I really love Fran on your podcast, like she's just amazing. Mm-hmm. If that activates a I'm not good enough schema, I'm going to right away, I'm going to fall into like, oh, so apparently I'm not part of this podcast. Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, Fran, Dr. Fran, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's if that schema gets activated. And in my experience, I think a lot of that is tied to childhood because let's say, for example, you always felt invisible as a child and you were not valuable, right? And then your partner says or does something that feels like, oh, like it just hits your heart. Intentional or not. Right. And then you have this huge emotional reaction to it. Step back for a minute and be like, okay, wait a minute. What am I feeling right now? I feel, oh, shocking unlovable, invisible. Where does that take me back to? Because it's those initial wounds that are really making you reactive in your present life. Absolutely. 
Were you going to say something, Brody? I feel like no, that that okay. nope, that answered it. Thank you. And I fit, one thing we really want to make um, you aware of is that cognitive distortions are not based in fact, right? And They're you not. bring this up a lot. It's mm-hmm. like, what do you have to prove it? Yeah. Yep. Tell me what the proof is for that. Right. So one of the ones that really hits home to me is that I always look at things contextually. So if you have these negative distortions going on, the train is distracting. Train. Yep. Train. Train. Squirrel. Anyway, um, (laughs) what, how is that impacting your relationships with others? And I am at fault for this. Like, for example, okay, I'm telling my deep, dark secrets, but like if I text somebody and they don't get back to me, cause you know, I'm OCD. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, it's been three seconds. I'm like, oh my God, what if I did something to offend them? What if I hurt them? What if I screwed something up in our relationship? That kind of thing. I think so. And I don't think that we're going to get into the different types of distortions. And I don't think personalization is in um, our little handout, but that is a favorite one of Mm -hmm. mine too. So yeah, I'll tell people like if back in the day when I would see somebody at the grocery store, so like I see Brody at the grocery store and I wave and he doesn't wave back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, what I do to Brody? And then I'm going to play every single interaction I've had with Brody in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to scrutinize every single thing. Because obviously it's something I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we'll learn and the, t- and the tips and tools we'll give you is then you sit back and you go, wait a minute, maybe he's distracted. Maybe he's like me and he came to the store without a list. And now he's trying to remember everything his wife told him to pick up mm-hmm. or she's going to hit him with a frying pan. Right. And so there's a lot on the line here. Exactly. And it has nothing to do with me. Right. Nine times out of ten. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny how erroneous that whole thing is. <laughs> he never shops. She doesn't hit him with a frying pan. I do all the shopping. <laughs> and you know, I like to always bring into perspective the mind-body connection because I think that when you are not taking care of your body and you're exhausted or yes. you're sick, right, you're more prone to making these distortions. Absolutely. Um, PMS week is a good time if you're mm. a female that can happen to you. And I'm not just making fun of it. I'm being totally serious mm-hmm. um, that during that week we can get highly irrational and there's reasons for it. Oh my um, God. I don't it's miss like that an, week. But. Oh no, I know. Once I went, I, like I went through menopause and yeah. I didn't go through that. Thank you, God. Yeah. I remember looking back and saying, I was psychotic. Like what the there hell? I remember like saying things and my daughter who's 35 at birth would be sitting back reading her in, I don't know, Encyclopedia Britannica. And she'd be like, <laughs> Was that really necessary? My reaction, you know, and I'd be like, oh, it's really not. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Nora going, Dad, could you be a little quiet? That hurt my ears. ears, Previous episode, tune in, people. Um, But the thing is, if you um, entertain those thoughts too much, then you get um, Mark Manson, who wrote um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is one of my favorite books. She said fuck. I did. And it's the, the F words in that book a lot. But it is mm-hmm. one of, in my opinion, one of the best self-help books that's been written in probably the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and he talks about you enter into that negative thought spiral from hell. Mm-hmm. And so if you entertain these thoughts, the next thing you know, they're just repeat, repeat, and everything takes a hit. Mental health, physical health, anxiety, depression, you name it. What you pay attention to grows. It does. So if you're focusing on negative thoughts and you're thinking about them more and allowing them yep. to grow, that's your world. Yep. 
And if you treat them as facts, and there is another form that we'll talk about in a minute called making feelings facts. And so, you know what, I feel like today's going to suck. And if you start off your day with, I just feel like, you know, it's gloomy. So today's just going to be a horrible, gloomy, awful day. Chances are it's going to be a horrible, gloomy, awful day just because mm-hmm. you've set yourself up for that. Your belief becomes your reality. Oh is this like so corny deep. quote day? That was so <laughs> deep. <laughs> Sorry, you guys, I need a minute. I wish we had a gong or something. Oh, a cowbell in South Dakota. We use cowbell. We need more cowbell. Everybody needs more cowbell. But reversing these, we can do it. And a lot of um, therapists you will find do utilize cognitive behavioral therapy. It's empirically based. We know it works. um, And it directly goes and helps you. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Challenge. Mm-hmm. those automatic thoughts, automatic negative ants, as they call them in, in some of the schools, automatic mm-hmm. negative thoughts. I love our school counselors. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So our job here is our goal anyways, to help you identify what are the cognitive distortions so that the minute you recognize them, you can be like, oh, that's my brain playing tricks on me. And now I can put in to practice reframing, redirecting, and then change like my outlook and my perspective. Absolutely. One of my favorite, I have to go to a PMS story. So one of my favorite PMS stories, and I'm glad I did the Ute Scoot boogie, boogie a couple of years ago. It's mm-hmm. gone. Totally vacated the building. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss it. I have never heard See that you before. Later. I'll and be I'm, later. I'm married to a gynecologist. The Ute Scoot and boogie. Now I'm, I hope that she employs that in she her. She needs in her to, own. man. Hello, ma'am. I see you're here for a Ute Scoot Boogie today. Okay, well, let's get going. Take it. Uh, but I was driving to work, and it was PMS week, and I saw a vehicle, and it reminded me of somebody. So I'm like, oh, that vehicle looks like so-and-so's. And then I was like, oh, but remember then so-and-so? And remember what they did? And remember, oh, yeah, they just... And then I did this whole... I was so pissed off in like a nanosecond. Wow. And then I started laughing, because I was like, why? I just barely left my garage. <laughs> why am I... Oh, it's PMS week. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's crazy. And so just that ability to recognize it Mm -hmm. and then go, oh, okay, that's what's going on. And then I just wasn't mad. Whereas before I knew to recognize this, I might've spent an entire day, if not multiple days, Mm -hmm. angry over whatever slight I had conjured up in my head. Right. Okay, Brody, here's a quiz. Who is the father of cognitive behavioral therapy? So, truth, I took one, I sat in one cognitive behavioral therapy class in grad school, and then they kind of explained what it was about, and they said, if this is not the class for you, then uh, you can get up and leave. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to go find something more fun to do. And... Went and, I think it's a frisbee golf class and that they're he, offering. Yeah. Majored in Dungeons and Dragons. I went, I went and taught STDs to, to yeah. inner city youth. So. Okay, let's be real. That is more, that's a little bit more fascinating. Yeah, I just, I, it, it was funny. I went into grad school thinking I would do counseling. And then yeah. by the time I got into what everything of social work is, I'm like, no, I'm yeah. doing community building. I just this want sucks. to talk about STDs all day long. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's fun. I have no idea. Okay. Is it is it Freud? No. no. So the last name is similar. Similar to my first name, not Becky, but I don't, I don't know. This is painful. It, it is. is. Okay. I'm just making a fool of myself. Aaron, no, you're not. Aaron Beck. Like, how would you even know that? I would Yeah. Know okay. That. So that is such a nerd but thing we to know. Will, we will definitely give him credit for this. He developed mm-hmm. in 76. And so we're starting with cognitive distortion. Number mm-hmm. one, filtering. And this is where you are focusing 
only on the negative stuff. So for example, let's say that you are an employee and your boss is giving you your annual review and they say all great things about you. They're like, oh man, you work really hard and you show up on time and you are a team player and you're creative, blah, blah, blah. And then they offer you one suggestion like, hey, one thing we'd really like you to maybe focus on more this year is if you could please blah. And then you leave that meeting and all you can think about is that one freaking suggestion. Mm-hmm. That is negative if filtering. If you could please not eat bean burritos right before the <laughs> weekly staff meeting. Right before that the would... podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I never have my big ass salad when we are having a recording day. And that's for you guys. I want you to feel the love. No kale for this girl on recording days. Another one that we talk about is polarization. And so that's when you think about yourself or the world and that all or nothing kind of black and white Mm -hmm. sort of thinking. And so kind of like what we said earlier, so you get a B on something, but this isn't, this might trigger what your parents told you, but you get a B and you go, you know what? I suck. I'm a horrible student. I'm stupid. I may as well just drop out now, except that really you only have A's for all your other things. You just got to be on this one thing Mm -hmm. and you kind of freak out. And what happens is you set these unrealistic standards that just are unachievable, whether for you set them for yourselves or you set them for others. And we see that a lot in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you set this unrealistic relation or unrealistic ideal and nobody can hit it, hit it. Absolutely. And you know, English today, this is when remember in the past, we talked about the term cognitive flexibility, Yes, right? I love that. You dropped that on me last, last season. Mm -hmm. So when you think about people that really see things very dichotomously, it's either this or it's this, they are not interested in the in-between. I would think they'd be more susceptible to falling into this kind of distortion. And we talk about this a lot with healthy eating patterns. It's a, it's a pretty clear example. So you just say, I'm never going to eat another carb for the rest of my life, which that's a sad existence from this German girl. (laughs) Although I've tried it. Becky has tried keto and it lasted like a hot minute. Um, So you eat um, a pea pod and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I've blown the whole diet. So then you eat 12 cupcakes and a bunch of chips and dip and some ice cream because you've already blown everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Or another thing I, this is my daughter's taught me to not like this. When somebody says, um, oh, you know, at lunch today, I had a Snickers bar afterwards, so I need to go run on the treadmill to run off those 250 calories. Mm. And what she says, or um, there's a really wonderful, I'm just going to plug her right now. Um, There's a dietitian at the YMCA by the name of Emily Newton, who's fabulous. And what she has said in the past is, how about you ate a Snickers bar because it sounded good mm-hmm. and your body can do wonderful, awesome movement things. Mm-hmm. They're not related necessarily mm-hmm. and just accepting that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, I mean, back to the kind of black or white polarization thinking. Oh, don't. Okay. I have no, to. do it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do it. So you think about controversial topics now in the way I'm just telling you guys the way my mind works yeah. In my mind works. I can't even think of one thing anything. I mean, I can't think of anything where there isn't the gray in between because there's so many different contextual issues, so many different layers of things that can happen in humans' lives. Like, how could you just say it's all this or it's all that? Yeah, but what if this happened? Or what if this happened to that human? Right. You know, but other people probably listen to me saying this and like, well, that's because there's something wrong with you. Yeah, because you're stupid. Right. And because you're immoral or because you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But people's brains are 
are wired differently. And that's that lack of cognitive flexibility, mm-hmm. I think. Chocolate chips and banana bread, I am inflexible cognitively. I'm on with that. you on that one. Yep, that's a hard I'll no. I'll tolerate some. What? It's a no? A yeah. Hard no. I'll tolerate some uh, walnuts. I will. No. That is that's I'll tolerate. beyond the pale. No. No, I'll tolerate no. walnuts, but no chocolate chips. No. no. I, I'm sorry. Inflexible, there is... not apologizing. Okay, really? so. Hmm. I think I think we can add on to that then, Brody, that neither you nor I should ever eat Fran's banana, banana bread, bread. And which fine. has both chocolate chips and walnuts in no, it. No, just and baked, chocolate chips. And just baked by Fran. <laughs> <laughs> She's warned us. She's warned us. Listen up, bitches. I can't make anything. I can't. I can't make anything. But the one thing I can make is banana bread. And you know what? More for me. I'm going to fucking load that up with chocolate chips. And you guys are going to watch me eat it. You live your best life. I'm going to watch you eat it. I totally am. Okay. So now we are going to overgeneralization. That is the next (laughs) cognitive distortion. How can we tie that into banana bread? Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. This is when you take an isolated negative event and you turn it into a never-ending spiral of loss and defeat. Okay, so for example, um, you go to a team meeting and everybody's talking and everybody's bringing up ideas and suggestions. And guess what? Nobody pays attention to yours. Mm-hmm. Just that day, you were just kind of, they were ignoring you or whatever. You leave the meeting and you're thinking, I never say anything right. I have lost all chances for a promotion. The end is in sight. I might as well quit. I think you and I have both had clients in our offices who have experienced this. It almost seems like more with mothers than with fathers. But they'll say to their their parent, like... um, Hey, I'm I'm glad you want to come visit, but we've got a lot going on. So, you know, we can probably do a visit until Sunday, but until, you know, um, a year from now isn't going to work. And then the mother will be like, I guess I'm just not, I'm not a good mother then. Mm. I never do any. It's fine. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like that language, never, always, those generalizations. Yep. And that sets you up because if you, if you say to yourself, nothing I do is ever good enough. Mm then you're going to feel like a failure with whatever you do. Right. Or they always criticize everything I do. Then you're going to be looking for the criticisms and they, they'll hit you. Mm-hmm. They will be there. Um, discounting the positive. And so that's when, um, you know, kind of it, it's similar to the one Fran started with where you get like 15 positives and then you get one constructive criticism mm-hmm. and you completely dismiss um, the positives. And this goes into, um, when I teach people about schemas, um, the schema we have, like if your schema is I'm unlovable. So you will only take messages in that fit into Mm -hmm. that key, if you will, into that keyhole. And then anything that doesn't, if it's a positive, like, Oh, you're amazing. Or I really love hanging out with you. Or I can see myself spending the rest of my life with you. Then you're like, Oh, they're just saying that, or they don't really mean that because it doesn't fit with that negative image. Mm -hmm. And this one makes me sad. I've I think I see this probably with many, many clients that have low self-esteem. They are constantly diminishing themselves, constantly. And I I always encourage them, like, take a minute and let me tell you, let me ask you, what are you telling yourself about things? And then I make them say it out loud. And then I want them to hear it and think about that. Like, how painful is that to live that existence on a daily basis? basis, minute by minute. What what is it about that self-talk that makes you feel motivated or empowered or energized, right? You're just basically sabotaging yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times what people will say is, well, they just have to say that. 
Mm. You know, so if I tell Brody, you're having a great hair day. And if Brody's dealing with this, he'll be like, oh, she just has to say that because I'm her producer and whatever. Um, but really, I don't have to. I don't have to say that at all. And what does Brody have to say? Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so that's an assignment I often give clients is when you get a compliment, big or small, I want you just to say thank you. I don't care if you believe it. Mm-hmm. Just say thank you. Right. And see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. The next one is jumping to conclusions. Another word for this is mind reading, where we think we know where the other person is coming from or what they're perceiving. Um, I remember the early days in my marriage, Mark would come home from the farm and he'd have a look on his face, right? And immediately I would think, okay, I must have done something. He's upset with me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like now, 400 years later, I look at him (laughs) like, oh man, dude, you had a bad day. Why don't you just go take a few minutes, you know? And I I don't personalize. I don't jump to conclusion like it's my fault, (laughs) right? Every time we say jump to conclusions, I go to that 90s movie, um, Office Space, (laughs) where a guy retired and made a jump to conclusions mat. Almost like a hopscotch. And yeah. You have to jump to conclusions. No way. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Everybody should you, watch that movie. It's hilarious. You watch the movies you watch, but you don't know Office Space? I, I don't. Oh, Jennifer Aniston. Oh, um, I can't man. think of the guy's name. He was awesome. He ended up being Burger in um, Sex and the City. He oh, was, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and yeah, it, you've really, you've if never you, seen it. If anybody has no. ever worked in a cubicle or hey, worked for the Peter, man, what's happening? Yeah. We're going to need you to sort of go ahead and come in on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. You That'd could get a cover great. sheet for that. Okay. How many yes, times have you guys watched this? Oh my this God. Movie? So many times. Yeah, exactly. I can't even tell you. Okay. I'll have Jennifer to watch Aniston it. works at like a, I can't think of what it's called, but it's like a TGI Friday. Chachkis. Oh, yeah. Chachkis. Yeah. And you have to have flair. One of my baristas came in with butt with pins on the other day. I'm like, oh, I like your flair. She, as a 20-year-old, had no idea what I was talking about. I love it. So when I hear jump to conclusions, I just see that, Matt. I can't help it. I'm ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Another one is called catastrophizing. And so that's kind of like jumping to conclusions, but on really horrible, nasty black market steroids. So you don't just jump to a conclusion. You jump to the worst conclusion. Mm -hmm. And in anxiety, we're going to see this play out as the what if game. Mm -hmm. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, What if um, I texted Fran and she didn't text back because she got in a horrible car accident on the way home from Groton? Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times these what ifs aren't, I mean, there's like 0.0057% factual basis. Mm -hmm. Um, but really it's ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. what if you, what if you did die in a car accident? Like, am I going to worry about it? And then it's going to make it magically undo, which I know sounds ice cold, Mm -hmm. but it's like the answer to any, what if, in my opinion is I will handle it. Mm -hmm. You know, so what if Fran dies in a car accident? I'll handle it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, it won't be pretty. Mm -hmm. You know, you saw me crying at that one Memorial we went to and neither Mm -hmm. one of us had Kleenex. Yeah. How do two therapists go to Memorial (laughs) service without a pack of effing Kleenex between the two of them? And then I'm just going to say, so Fran, Fran's crying because it was, it was a person we really cared about deeply and she just has like those movie tears. Oh, yeah, her movie ones, yeah. <laughs> I'm crying. I've got, I finally dug out a mask, a disposable mask from the bottom of my purse to wipe yes. my nose. Cause I had snot bubbles. My lips were swollen. <laughs> makeup's all over. Fran, because she is a kind and caring friend. I hope she's a better therapist. <laughs> looks at me and she goes, are you going to fucking be all right? <laughs> Get it together. You're embarrassing me like, at this funeral. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't even and, talk. And then she had a seizure. And yeah. then I did. It was, yep. 
And what did Fran do? Again, looked at me and said, are you going to be all right? <laughs> You're embarrassing me, Becky. Call the fucking ambulance. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, personalization. You did touch on this earlier, but one of my most favorite books is The Four Agreements. Mm-hmm. And one of the four agreements states, take nothing personally. And that one, that's a hard one, that's a hard one, Mm -hmm. but that really resonated with me because in a way it's being narcissistic to think that, oh, it's about me and it's about me. 99% of stuff that goes on really is nothing (laughs) nothing to do do with with you you at all. Right. Yeah. So if someone says something or does something or doesn't do something, that's about them. That's their personal journey. Yeah. Their personal life. And I'm going to give an explicit language warning right now because one of the things they talk about in the subtle art of not giving a fuck is he talks about um, the lady that's in line at the grocery store and she wants to use her, her, her coupon and her coupons expired. And so the um, cashier is like, I'm sorry, we can't accept this. And then she just loses it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, most of us are going to look at that and go, why does she care so much about a coupon <laughs> that's expired? Mm-hmm. But he said, really, that's, you know, depending on what her life looks like, that might be the only place she has to give fucks. Right. And so all of her fucks go to that coupon. Right. And so it's not about the cashier. Mm-hmm. It's not even about the coupon. Right. It's just about where that person is today mm-hmm. in her in her head. Right. So now we're going to talk about control fallacies. I love these because, um, you know, fallacy mm-hmm. and um, control. And it's where it's the illusion of control. And I think um, when I think of anxiety, I think of the illusion of control. Like, mm-hmm. And we're usually trying to control the things we can't mm-hmm. and not addressing the things that we can. And so um, you can feel responsible or in control of everything and like your life or other people's lives or that you have no control over anything. Mm-hmm. So, for example... You were supposed to get a report done and, you know, your boss was looking for it and you immediately think, well, of course I couldn't complete it. My boss is overworking me and everyone was so loud. It's not my fault. Who can get anything done? Right. You know, everything was out of your control. There was nothing you could have done, like go to a different room, shut your door, ask people to be quiet. Like you couldn't have done any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the external control. Now, the other type is that your actions impact or control the lives of others, which kind of goes into personalization. Mm -hmm. Like everything I do affects everybody around me. So you might think that um, like if Fran's in a bad mood and we're at work together, going back to, um, okay, it's my job to make her happy. I must have, she must be unhappy probably because of something I did. So now I need to make her happy. Right. Like you have this illusion that you have the ability to make me happy or unhappy. Yeah. When ultimately it's my choice whether or not yeah. I'm going to be in that and mood or not. And even if I do have the ability, is it my job right. to make you happy or unhappy? Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's up to you. Exactly. Yeah. The next one is the fallacy of fairness. And I think about, does anybody remember the Brady Bunch or am I like I five love million? I Brady Bunch. Okay. Marsha, 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 right? We think story. about, yes, Jan in the middle, right? Oh, it, poor, poor Jan. Jan, <laughs> <laughs> Jan got so screwed. I, I so identified with Jan. Oh my God. <laughs> She totally got screwed. It was like ever, nothing was fair for Jan, you know, nothing went her way. Nothing. So the fallacy of fairness is that, you know, when things aren't fair, according to your assessment of what's right. fair and what isn't, then you get really upset and you get angry and that kind of thing. And just recognizing, dude, life isn't fair. I mean, so come on. Let's talk about fairness. We're, how, tell me about your siblings, Brody. How many siblings do you have? My wife struggles with fairness. Uh, she 
I, I call her my Valkyrie. Like anybody crosses me and you're going to be buried up to your neck in the <laughs> desert surrounded by scorpions. So this is funny. I have, I have four siblings. And where do you fall off, fall I, in that order? I'm the top dog, baby. Oh, you're you the are. Oldest. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, that's not fair because uh. you were the experiment. <laughs> right? You're the guinea pig. I Let's was, talk about yeah. who gets all the spoiled treatment in any family. Oh, for sure. The it's baby. the baby. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. baby always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, John Henry. That was you. Sorry, Grace, it's you. And we all know it. We Mm -hmm. all know it's Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that uh, the youngest and okay, tell me what you think about this. I'm really curious because most of my clients that I see that are naughty kids are the youngest in the family. Because they get away with everything. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, by the time you have child number four, which, you know, you're exhausted. Wait a minute. Knock on wood. That hasn't been our experience, but we got a few years to see what shakes (laughs) out. Grace has time. She has time. Okay. But, you know, by the time you have child number four or eight or 12 or whatever, you're exhausted. Yeah. Right. And so there's a lot of them are having less discipline, less consistency, yep. whatever. Not judging. I'm just yeah. saying it's factual. Oh, that's At our least house. that's my experience. What house. about you in therapy in terms of what you see? And, oh, you don't well, see kids. Well, I don't kids. see kids. Yeah, yeah. So I can't speak to that, but I can understand it mm-hmm. for sure. Do you guys employ the, the birth order theory in, or is that like phrenology where it's like, debunked or not not real but you know, I wouldn't you know say what I mean? it's not real I mean it's a factor but I don't put like a ton of weight into it what about you I think there's a lot of validity to it okay. I really do like for example okay I'm gonna do you really yeah. quick okay so the oldest is usually the one that's the most organized reliable dependable um, they're the ones that are making sure that everything else is going the way that it should be they're the ones that if nobody, if you can't count on anybody, you count on the oldest one. That's typical. Mm-hmm. Same thing with onlys. I'm an only child. Right. Okay. And so they have a lot of those same characteristics. I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, I don't disagree to, to an extent. And I think as we, as we age, it's been interesting to see how my brothers and sisters have sort of sorted ourselves out. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think maybe when you're younger, the, the birth order, I, I'm by far probably not the most organized one, mm-hmm. but I, I do see that like, I'm starting to think now we have, there's a huge plot of land in Minnesota. Like what happens when everybody dies? Like yeah. all of my aunts and uncles live on that. I know it's in a trust, but what happens then? Because I don't want to fight with my siblings. Mm-hmm. Like, can we get this all under control before you all right. leave? And I don't know what to do. So it, I can, I think I'm forward thinking like that, but I like being at the top. Unless you're the lead dog, the view never changes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that our Allison is definitely that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is the one. That I can she, see it for the yep, the little that I know, Allison. I she can see makes that. sure that there, you know, if it's mom's birthday, there's a birthday card. If it's Father's Day, there's a Father's Day card. Um, and she just takes care of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's yeah. very detail oriented. My daughter fits it to a T. Mm-hmm. And I have, I I have a spiritual consultant and her name is Barbara. Shout out to Barbara. We love love you. you. And we miss you. And I hope we get to see you next month. And of all the people, seriously, that I've talked to in my life, she has really helped me grow and evolve more than any other soul. A thousand percent. Yes. And so one of the things she brought up this last time was that my daughter was actually my, okay, mind blowing. And you guys are going to be like, do, 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 never tune in again. But she said that my daughter was actually my parent in a previous life. I can see that. And when I told my daughter that, she was just like, oh, that explains. (laughs) (laughs) That explains so much. (laughs) 
Anyway, her name's Barbara Gabriel. You can find mm-hmm. her on Facebook. She's a very wise woman. Very she, um, when I first visited with her, our kids were little, and she, I'll never forget. She called Grace our song, mm. and That's she so is. She is. If you, um, she's going to kill me for saying that, but she really is a ray of sunshine. That one, mm-hmm. most days. Other days, I could flick her in the forehead. Well, there but, you go. But you know, it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about blaming, and so that makes that refers to making other people responsible, not not taking ownership for how you feel. Um, so you made me feel bad. We were taught in grad school, and I don't know if you were taught this in grad school. We were taught in grad school, nobody can make you feel anything. Mm-hmm. You choose how you feel. Right. And it's important to own that because if you can choose how you feel negatively, per se, then you can also choose to feel positively. And granted, it's not that cut and dried. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't even have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are ways that you can learn to do that uh, more adeptly. I think this cognitive distortion is really something that hurts relationships. Because yeah. if you're in a relationship and you can never admit that you're wrong oh, yeah. and never say, you know what, I was Satan today, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, it just, it's not really conducive to a good relationship. It's really not. It's not very healthy. Mm-hmm. I agree. The next one is shoulds. And Becky has brought up in the past the old the old fashioned saying, you know, are you shooting all over yourself? <laughs> and just having these <laughs> like unrealistic expectations for yourself and for other people. Right. Like my husband should always be home with me. He should never want to be with his buddies. He should want to be, I don't know, washing dishes with me or something. I don't know, whatever. Gross. But these types of cognitive distortions need to be looked at because they tie into what are your expectations yep. and are they even realistic? Yep. You know, when you have shoulds about yourself, I always say should equal shame. Mm. I should have done this better. I shouldn't have said that. I should be a better wife. Mm-hmm. It's all very shameful self-talk. Right. Yeah. One of my really good friends, and she'll know who she is, um, she for many, many years would call me after a conversation because of probably shoulding, like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have oh, said yeah. that. I, I I hope I didn't offend you. I hope I didn't offend you. And I always would tell her, look, if you are my true friend, there's one thing you can expect. I always assume the best. This is true. She has said this to me before. I always assume the best. So if you confront me or whatever, I'm going to say, well, they love me. Oh, they're looking out for me. Or they meant it from a good place, right? Absolutely. And so in real relationships, you should. This is the one time you should. I would prefer it if you. Yeah. Expect expect the other person is coming from a good place. Unless they're narcissistic, then you're screwed. Then you're screwed. Yeah. And that's a whole different episode. Right. But what I love about that is, I think there's two factors that go into why I love that from you, friends. So number one is it does take a lot of weight off of somebody who is your friend. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason it takes weight off is you literally mean that. Mm -hmm. And so it it goes back into say what you mean and mean what you say. So Fran says to me, "Uh, Becky, I assume everything you say to me is is said with love and comes from a place of love. I believe you Mm -hmm. because you're not going to blow smoke up my ass. No, I totally would not. No. And I think a lot of people that are shitting on themselves think that if I say this, or if you're a parent and you do this to your kids, well, Mm -hmm. you should pick up your things. You should get straight A's. You think that's motivating yourself or somebody else. And many times it has the opposite effect. Yeah, it absolutely It's like, why bother? Or if it's a teenager, like, screw you. I'm not going to listen to you. You know, whatever. Says who? Right. Should. Mm-hmm. Stuff it. Yeah. Um, emotional reasoning. I call this making feelings facts. And we do that a lot. I feel it. Therefore, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and not even is, but like is a fact. And so um, if you feel inadequate in a situation, I'm really good at this because I do have social anxiety. So if we have like a business after hours or for some insane reason, we agree to be the United Way host couple for the year um, and I have to go do these things, I right away go, oh, my God, these people are going to wonder why they. And then it's just that, nope. Mm-hmm. You're meant to be here. You know, they asked you to do this for a reason. Um, but if you don't know that, then it's going to morph into, I don't belong here. And then your heart starts racing and then you start sweating. Mm-hmm. And then this whole, like I'm having a panic attack. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Making feelings facts. Says who? Uh-huh. Okay. Fallacy of change. This one is relationship killer because it's really yeah. where you are thinking, okay, if they really loved me, they would change in order to make me happy <laughs> in order to meet my needs. And if I pressure you enough, I nag you enough, I tell you enough, I preach to you enough, you're going to change. And then what happens? always works. Right. Then what happens? <laughs> they don't change. They don't change. <laughs> Yeah. So this is not anything you want to practice in relationships. It isn't. And I go, I talk about this a lot and I want to, I want to know your input on it. Um, when people are doing online dating, cause I've had people say, well, online dating so awkward, mm-hmm. which I don't doubt it for a second. Obviously I can't relate. I got married when I was seven. Um, and we didn't even have computers back then, Yeah, but you know, it's like, what do I say if we just don't click? And I'm like, just say that, mm-hmm. just say, Hey, it's been really nice getting to know you. I'm not feeling a connection. I wish you the best of luck. Thanks mm-hmm. for taking time to, to get to know me. Oh yeah. I just had this conversation yeah. with my daughter's roommates almost verbatim is what I told her to tell this guy. Yeah. And I think it's so much kinder to be honest up front than, than to give ghosting. them false hope. False yes. hope or ghosting. Yeah. Yes. False hope. Yeah. Oh God. I got in trouble with this in college. You guys, I was on a date. Well, this guy liked me and I didn't want to hurt his feelings and I didn't want to do what Becky just told you to do. Do what Becky told you to do. <laughs> well, you and didn't know any better. No, I, I didn't. And you know what I did? I lied. And I said, my roommate wasn't feeling good. And anyway, then I decided to go dancing. (laughs) (laughs) So she's not only a liar, she's not very smart about it. (laughs) So I went dancing and guess who showed up? Oh, no. Yes, and guess whose roommate wasn't there? No. (laughs) And so he's like, oh, what are you doing? And I go, yeah, she uh, made a magical recovery. I don't know. It was bad. You are such a bad liar, too. I know. It had to be horrible. I'm still ashamed. I'm ashamed. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. The next one is called global labeling. And this is really an extreme form of overgeneralizing. And it's really making you judge an action that you're taking the context into account. Not so much. (laughs) You're really not paying attention to that. So in turn, this leads you to see yourself and others in ways that are inaccurate. So it's really being very judgmental Mm -hmm. and labeling people based on one thing. So for example, let's say that, um, your secretary at work falls asleep one time Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my God, they are lazy. They are disrespectful. They're this, this, and this. And you're Mm -hmm. really like, maybe she was up all night because her baby was sick. Right. Right. And this was something, and yet she was there at work on time in the morning. Right. So it's really never, ever done it before. She's never done it before. And it's really kind of a harsh way to live in reality. I heard something one time. I want to know your guys' viewpoint on this. Somebody said to me a long time ago that we criticize in others what we're most insecure about in ourselves. Oh, 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt that fit pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yeah. thought that was so interesting. So then I started paying attention to the judgmental statements I usually just say in my head. Sometimes they slip out. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it usually is something I'm feeling insecure about. Yeah, I think that's smart. And this kind of labeling is also self-labeling. So it is something where you are extremely judgmental and harsh with yourself. Again, not a self-esteem builder. No, not at all. Okay. I just told Fran that she can do the next one too. Okay, perfect. Okay. Well, you should have made me do this one because it really is about me. Fran, you should do this one. I really should. It's about always being right. And you know what, you guys? (laughs) That is the cross she bears, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was wrong once in 1972. Um, But anyway, and this is really. But she was only 35 back then. Exactly, yeah. This is when you see your own opinions as facts of life. And so you are going to do whatever it takes to prove in an argument, I'm right and you're wrong. And it may make you feel good. Like I always say in couples therapy, is it really worth being right? And then you're sleeping in separate bedrooms. Is that the hill you want to die on? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, there, you know, anytime you're going to try and assert that I'm hundred percent right in a relationship, you're not really putting the relationship first. You're putting your ego first and we've all done it. Don't get me wrong. I've done it. I don't doubt the two of you have done it. It's just not healthy. And you, I mean, honestly, you guys, how attractive is it? Like I'm going to go to, I'm going to lay on the sword and I'm going to prove you're wrong. It's obnoxious. (laughs) It is so obnoxious. I told you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or it might even be like, you know, 12 years down the road. You're like, see, I told you. Yeah. Remember that 12 years ago? <laughs> I told you I was right. And you're like, what? Yes. Yes. I always knew it. <laughs> so Franny Banani, how are we going to stop these things? How are we going to stop cognitive distortions? Um, we, you know, so if you come see a therapist and it's funny, just somebody today said to me, yeah, I recommended a friend go to therapy. And the friend was like, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Okay. You don't have to have something wrong with you. Um, Every human has irrational patterns of thinking. We all do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what therapy can do is help you to recognize them. Step one, Mm -hmm. recognize these things that you tell yourself. And then step two, how do they influence your behaviors and how can you challenge them? You know, how can you switch them around? You don't get rid of them. We will have irrational thinking forever, Mm -hmm. but it's how greatly and how frequently is it going to impact you? And I think the key to that is being able to step back and pay more attention to what am I thinking? Like being more aware of, okay, I have this frown on my face. Why? Well, it must be tied to a thought I have in my head. Why am I feeling, why am I thinking that? And is it even justified? And I'm going to say this and I say it a million times, just because I think it doesn't mean I'm true. Doesn't mean it's true because so much of what filters through our head is just baloney. It is. It is. And going back to like my PMS thought, you know, like I was like in the span of seven seconds, super mad. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to sit back and go, okay, why am I mad? I've just barely left my house. Mm -hmm. And then to kind of backtrack through the chain of chain of thoughts, as we say. Um, another thing you can do is replace absolute. So look for the always look for the nothings. And, um, one of the things I like is, so I tell people, I I would prefer if you didn't say shoulds Mm -hmm. and what do we replace it with? Prefer. You shouldn't say should. Mm -hmm. I would prefer if you didn't say should. 
Mm-hmm. So I should be a better mom. I would prefer if I did X, Y, and Z better. Um, always and nothing. You know what? Sometimes this is what happens. There have been times in the past when this is what's happened. Um, I do have a tendency to react this way sometimes, mm-hmm. taking that always or, or never out of it. Another thing to do to fight these distortions is quit defining yourself and others with labels. You know, just because you do one action, it doesn't have to define your whole character and who you are as a human. So uh, really being reeling in that judgment about others and yourself and the labeling. Labeling is so like cruel. Like when parents... um, some parents over the years, you know, I hear this one a lot. You're so lazy to a kid. It's like you tell a kid that enough, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. So I don't want to try that. I'm lazy. What do we tell parents to say instead? We tell, first of all, the kid is going to pay more attention to the negative than the positive. So for every negative you give your kid, you're supposed to be giving five positives. Mm -hmm. But what I say is when you see the kid actually doing something, you really comment like, wow, you know, you're really putting forth effort. You're working hard. I appreciate it when you are contributing. Yeah. Or I think too, like, instead of saying you're being so naughty, you're acting naughty, mm-hmm. you know, and taking the person, the behavior versus the person. Right. And then saying, you know, I really appreciate it. Remember last last Sunday when we were in church and you sat so quiet and you colored in your book? That was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Focusing on that positive behavior. Um, again, so with positives, search for positive aspects. And I really believe this, even though it's really hard at times, mm-hmm. that any situation can have a positive. And I know people are going to be like, oh, yeah, but what about this? Um, I, I, I guess maybe there's a couple here and there, but for the most part, I think you can find three positives in just about any situation. And you might have to work, mm-hmm. might have to work at it, right. um, but I think it can be doable. Mm-hmm. Is there evidence? Ask yourself, what is the fact? Okay, so you come to this statement about yourself that's negative. Okay, wait a minute. Where is the actual proof yep. that I'm stupid? Where is the proof that I'm invisible or unvaluable? Right. People don't like that when you challenge that, but I'll say not just proof to you, Mm -hmm. but proof like to me or a random Joe blow off the street, or let's pretend you have to go into court before a judge Mm -hmm. and you have to convince the judge based on facts only Mm -hmm. that you're stupid. Mm -hmm. What do you have to give them or what do you have to give her? Right. Yeah. Cause there's usually nothing. Um, we're always going to say practice daily gratitude. I love gratitude so much. Um, and I love it when it becomes reflexive. It's a really nice way to live. Um, you know, Fran and I are both really busy. Brody is insanely busy. And yet this is our favorite day of the week because mm-hmm. we get to record. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a couple of books that I just want to mention before we're done. One of my favorite books, um, and I think it's like in its fifth or sixth edition, is the Thoughts and Feelings Handbook. And you can get this on Amazon. It is Matthew McKay, um, Martha Davis, and Patrick Fanning are the authors. It's phenomenal. Anxiety, depression, um, stress. There's just a whole bunch of different things. And you can kind of make your own treatment plan mm-hmm. with that. Um, it's cognitive behavioral based. It works fabulous. And then again, I just want to mention the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. Is he related to Marilyn Manson or Charles Manson? I don't believe okay, so. I was just checking. Um, 
And that one, the whoever he got to narrate the audio version is fabulous. Mm. He doesn't narrate it himself, but I really liked the reader. And if you listen to audiobooks ever, um, you will know that a narrator can make or break a book. Oh, <laughs> if you real. can't stand the voice, yes. you just want to stab yourself in the ear. But um, that one's a really good. And the Thoughts and Feelings Handbook, you're going to have exercises to do. Um, my recommendation would be get the book, find a therapist, mm-hmm. and do the exercises with your therapist. Um, and you're just going to get that much more out of it. Right. Yeah. So thank you for tuning in. We're the shrinks. And that's a wrap.